Ruth's eyes grew wide, and she put her fingers to her mouth. Aunt Gretchen, you surprise me. When I grow too old to appreciate a good-looking, manly man, well, you might as well call the undertaker. Ruth laughed. I hope we won't have to do that for many a year. She held up the book. And thank you for trusting me with this. I'll bring it back to you. Gretchen Hancock rose. You are most welcome. And now, shall we go join the men? It was almost midnight by the time Ruth and Harlan rode the elevator to their floor. Ruth, conscious of Harlan's arm around her waist, didn't want to pull away in front of the elevator operator, afraid there might be a scene. When the door opened, she quickly stepped out and then turned back, letting her husband walk on toward their door. She pulled a bill out of her evening bag. Goodbye, Andy. We're leaving tomorrow, you know. Thanks for all your good service. Andy took the tip and touched the brim of his cap. Thank you, Mrs. Reynolds. I'll miss you. She waved goodbye and walked briskly to her apartment and through the door Harlan held open. The clink of bottle against glass sounded behind her as she continued down the hall to her bedroom, shrugging off her satin evening coat as she went. In her room, she folded the garment carefully and put it in the suitcase lying open on a stand. Reaching under her arm to unzip her dress, she turned to find Harlan leaning against the door jamb, drink in hand. He motioned with his glass. Don't let me stop you. I like watching you undress. She dropped her hand and turned away, sliding into the seat in front of her mirrored vanity table. I thought the movers packed all the whiskey and glasses. I made sure they left some out. She picked up her brush, and as she vigorously raked it through her hair, counting the strokes, she glanced periodically in the mirror. Harlan, eyes dark and smoldering, stood unmoving, save for the rising and falling of his chest. On a downward stroke, she looked up, met his gaze, and saw his Adam's apple move as he swallowed. She turned away and bent down to brush her hair from back to front, counting under her breath, fifty-five, fifty-six, fifty-seven. On sixty, she felt his hand caress the nape of her neck, and her reaction was swift and involuntary. She straightened and stood all in one motion, knocking the tumbler from his hand. She remained still for a moment, her back to the mirror, her hair a dark halo around her pale face. Harlan looked from the wet patch on the knee of his trousers to the puddle soaking into the carpet at his feet. Ruth bent down to pick up the glass which had rolled to the bench. I'm sorry. You startled me. Obviously. He stepped closer, laced his fingers through her chestnut mane, and leaned down to kiss where her shoulder met her neck. I thought we might. Ruth, trying to quiet her inner flight mechanism, set the glass down and turned away. It's late, Harlan. We have a long trip ahead of us. He moved behind her, held her shoulders and pressed his face against her hair, his breathing heavy, his voice raspy. It's our last night in New York. Ruth felt herself beginning to panic. She grabbed a tissue from the vanity and wiped her sweaty palms, pulling herself out of Harlan's grasp as she did so. I know it's our last night. 
It makes me sad and weepy. I just want to go to bed and go to sleep and forget it. She walked to her closet. He didn't move. Head lowered like an angry bull, he stared at her with his heavy brows knotted and his mouth pulled down into a sneer. All right, go to bed. Go to sleep. He stalked to the doorway. But I've got news for you, dear wife. There's only one bedroom and one bed where we're going, and things are going to change. When he strode down the hall toward his room, she followed him to the door and closed it. With a trembling hand, she turned the key in the lock. I heard that, Harlan shouted. When we get there, things are going to change.